Hi, I'm Karen Pollard and welcome to the Challenger CEO podcast. I'm really excited about my guest today. I am joined by the brilliant Claire Flaxon, who is a therapist who specializes in cognitive behavior therapy. But I'll let Claire explain exactly what she does. Welcome, Claire. Hi, Karen. Thank you so much for having me here. I'm very excited Pleasure. to be here. Good. So for anybody who doesn't know who you are, what you do, tell us a bit more about you. Well, I'm Claire, like you said, and I am a cognitive behavioural therapist. My background is in therapy, particularly the science of how we uh, tap into our thoughts, how they affect our feelings and our behaviours and what we then go on to create in our lives. And what I love to do is to apply that specifically to the entrepreneurs in this world, to the founders, the creatives, the women in leadership, and teach people how to harness the power of freeing themselves from those blocks and patterns and habits that are keeping them stuck, holding them back, mm. and move into a space and an energy that allows them to create whatever it is they want to create. Mm, I love that. And Something that really piqued my interest at the start of this year, going into 2023, is what intention do you think, from a mindset and mental point of view, would be a great strong point to start this year off? I think when we look at resolutions, we, if you want to be successful in your resolution, you either need to, to do it smarter, so to understand how we unlearn habits that aren't helping or how we create new habits, the ones that we want. But we need, we need to go deeper. And that's what I love about the therapy work and how we can apply it to mindset. Um, we need to be able to look at, well, what's going wrong? What are, what are the obstacles? What are the patterns that we are falling into and recreating? It's, it's not enough to just have the resolution. That's a great starting point. We want that energy and that commitment and that, that desire of, of what we want to see happen in our lives, the change that we want. But if we actually want to make it stick, we're thinking big, big picture. We're thinking long term. And for that, we need to go um, into ourselves. We need to have a bit of self-awareness. Mm. We need to reflect on what's getting in our way. Is it is it the actions we're taking or not taking? Or is it even deeper and the beliefs we have about what's possible mm. for ourselves and for our lives? And that's where you can harness the, the therapeutic insights you can gain from really understanding what drives you and create change that isn't just for January, it's for the whole of your life. Hmm. And from that, then the possibilities are endless. And that's what really excites me is yeah. this idea of, of limitless potential and possibility. But it all starts with understanding ourselves and what we what we want and how we're going to get there, what we need to change. Hmm. Hmm. What do you think are the big blockages? When I work, I work mainly with women, but I work with, with, with men as well. And I don't see a huge amount of difference, I have to say. When we dig down into things, at the core, if you trace things back, if you think about it like you've got the surface level issue, but then you're constantly sort of digging down, you're peeling the layers of the onion, or you're just digging deeper, deeper, deeper. When you get to the root of it, we always come to something that's around beliefs of not being good enough, beliefs of what's possible for people like us, mm. um, messages that we have incorporated and soaked up over the years um, that are about either how we feel we should be showing up and at the base how we feel like we're not good enough, we're not worthy enough, um, or yeah, things that we want for people over there, for other people, not for someone like us. So we have to dig into this idea of good enough self-worth and what's possible. And those are the key blocks. But it takes a while for people to get... We can't always jump straight to that. We need yeah. to... It's often it's covered up by other things that um, you don't necessarily relate to that straight away. We have to do the work to uncover the layers mm -hmm. before we hit that lovely light bulb moment mm -hmm. that goes, this is what I've been believing. This is the message I've been carrying around without even being aware of it often mm -hmm. throughout the whole of my life. And when we stop to question it, we can start to understand mm -hmm. whether or not it's actually true. Yeah. And that's the premise of, of, of cognitive behavioral therapy, of CBT. It's to say, is this a thought I'm having or a feeling or is it a fact? Because so often we don't question. We just go through life reacting to how we're feeling, responding to the thoughts that pop in, mm. carrying messages that someone gave us, a parent, um, a teacher at school, a, an interaction with a friend from years ago. And it sticks. These things stick. They're like Velcro to us. And we don't stop to question it and say, well, is it true? 
How do yeah. I know that's true? What's another way of looking at things? Mm-hmm. And that's what I like to teach people to do, to do is to get curious mm-hmm. about it and say, is it, a, is it a thought? Is it a feeling or is it a fact? That's very interesting. So how can you see it creeping into different areas of your life then? How does it impact your life in different ways? I think it ways? impacts everything mm. that we do. And that's the challenge I have often is how to narrow things down mm. in the message I want to give out. Because it, it's, it runs through everything. It runs through how we show up at work. It runs through how we show up in our relationships, uh, how we parent how we spend our time uh, when we're not working, what we, what, we think we can, we, what we believe we can go out there and just get involved in and try what we believe is possible. So it, it influences everything. It's, it's broad reaching. Yeah. And I think once you learn the tools, you then have the choice of, of where you apply it. Mm. So often people come to me because they want to scale up their business. They've got so far and they feel stuck. They want to be more visible. And we start with those things, but what they, what they, the surprise they always have is the ripple effect it has, that they, they feel happier in themselves. They start to show up in their lives in a different way with how they're spending their time. Mm. Their relationships improve. Their confidence increases. The, the negative self-talk decreases. And this is so important when we're talking about people in, in, in leadership roles, uh, entrepreneurs who are, it's all down to us what we're going to go out there and do. Yeah. But the rest of our lives matter as well. The, the quality of our relationships, how happy we are, mm. how we spend our time, what we want to be doing and creating in mm. our lives. So it, it's, it's broad reaching. Yeah. And I love that about this kind of work. Yeah. There's an impact on people's happiness and satisfaction and sense of purpose mm. in life. You mentioned earlier about being unstoppable and in the people that you work with, what are the biggest transformations that you've seen from unpacking and doing the work with you? The obvious one that I see because I work with founders and entrepreneurs mainly is uh, the scaling of their businesses. We, we take people who've got an idea or who have got to a certain level of success in their business, um, but they're blocked, they're stuck. And the transformations in what they then get out there and create the next level that they step up into, mm. uh, whether that's a uh, a change in their in their revenue and that's often what people focus on is like how much money am I bringing in how much what how can I scale my business in a financial sense yeah. but it's also the opportunity it's the stepping into roles I have a, a a couple of women at the moment I work with who are in their 20s and early 30s and they're being fast-tracked in leadership roles and there's a they're kind of playing catch up with their sense of identity. And I think in order for them to step up and stretch and reach that next level, there needs to be a change and a shift in how they're seeing themselves and how they are understanding themselves um, in the context of their, mm. in their work in this case. So the, the, the shifts and the transformations I see are either, they're, they're twofold, they're external, they're what people are creating, the opportunities they're going after, the scaling of audiences, mm. the scaling of business, but it's also the internal shift stepping into the person they want to become Mm. or the leadership role that they know they can grow into and that could be literally a leadership position at work or that could be your own self-leadership in Mm. your life in 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 your business in what you want to create Mm. I've spoken quite a lot in this podcast with various guests about celebritizing role models and what you very eloquently put out there was about your self-leadership how do you foster a culture of more leaders within a community? In what sense? That you're not just looking to the few that are going to be the change makers and the challenges and challenging and changing that status quo, but actually empowering more people to become stronger and lead from the front. I think we look at this from a macro and a micro level. Mm. I think we see the, the people out there that have the big impact that are doing things on a large scale. And that's exciting and that's inspirational. But there is true value and impact in the in the day-to-day steps, in the small moments, in that self-leadership that we show. We're, we're, all, we're all showing leadership in everything that we do in our lives because we're, we're stepping up and we're making choices. We're leading when we sort out our home life and how we want it to be. We're leading when we parent. Um, we're leading when we make choices about our work and what we want to, um, the impact we want to have. 
through our work. Mm. So the leadership is there in everything. And so we, we don't, it doesn't need to be on that grand, big, um, impressive scale for it to count. Mm. And I think we, we start from that, that, that revolutionary idea of like each small step has a compound effect. Mm. And whether you end up doing something that changes the world or whether you end up doing something that impacts the people around you or makes you have a happier existence, this is, this is all meaningful and it's all important. Yeah, definitely. One of the things that you spoke about there was fast-tracking in careers and the getting your waiting for identity to catch up. There's a, a big word that's become very trendy in the last, uh, last year around imposter syndrome. And a lot of people are talking about imposter syndrome and it's, it's very sexy on social media. But for somebody who actually is an expert in dealing with mindsets, what exactly is imposter syndrome? So, and you're absolutely right, this is bantered around everywhere at the moment. Imposter syndrome, first of all, it's not a diagnosable condition. It's a, syndrome is simply a word that psychologists put to this set of experiences that people have that can lead them to never never feeling like they have really earned or deserve the success and achievements they've got in their life. Mm-hmm. So interestingly enough, it tends to affect high achievers, which doesn't seem to be very logical given that it's people who are in that stretch often and achieving great things and being fast-tracked. Um, but it's that idea that you are constantly kind of stretching and going up that means you ne- you're always in that position of the next new thing, the next uncomfortable thing. And with imposter syndrome, what's interesting is that it, it, it feeds into this cycle of, there are three main bits to imposter, imposter syndrome that I like to talk about. There are the very narrow definition that you're giving to what counts as an achievement. So you have these rigid, narrow ideas of unless it's perfect, it wasn't really a success. Mm-hmm. Unless I do it all on my own without any help, it doesn't count. So you're limiting yourself and you're not seeing a lot of the achievements. They don't count, you dismiss them. You feed into this idea also of not internalizing and letting your your wins land. You don't see mm. yourself as being the cause of them. Mm. So you don't let the wins in because you're not, they don't count, you're too easy to dismiss them. When something does sneak through and you go, okay, that was an achievement, you then come up with all these ideas why it was nothing to do with you. Well, it wasn't me, it was, it was it, they were just being kind or I just got lucky. Or anyone could have done that. You find all these ways to discredit and discount what you've done. Mm. And imposter syndrome keeps you stuck in this loop of looking for um, the ways that you can discredit yourself. So at the core, it's this belief that really you're a fraud. You shouldn't be where you're at. It's only a matter of time before everyone else is going to see this as well. And you've just so far got lucky. You somehow got away with it. Mm. And whilst you... Whilst you continue in that cycle of not letting yourself see your wins, you keep yourself stuck that no matter what you achieve next, it doesn't make you feel any more confident because you either believe that, well, you can see all the reasons why it wasn't really a success, other people just missed it, or you just got lucky. Mm. But next time, that's the time you're going to get found out as an imposter. And it keeps people in a really uncomfortable place of never really believing in themselves and of always feeling anxious that, pretty soon everybody else is going to find out as well and they're going to be uncovered and exposed Mm. as a fraud. So there's a whole kind of group of behaviours that go along with it, like overworking like crazy, self-sabotaging because it feels too scary to step up and do things or always wanting to stretch because you want to try and prove yourself but never enjoying it, never feeling confident and uh, comfortable in your capabilities because you never allow yourself to see them. So how do you break the cycle? You start by understanding what's at play. So there's a lovely way, if you actually go deep into imposter syndrome, now imposter syndrome is more than just a few moments of self-doubt. Mm. It's a really deep-rooted thing that, that, that leaves people in a very anxious position for a lot of the time. And often it shows up at work, but it can show up in different areas of life as well. But once you understand what's driving it, And the psychologists that created the term imposter syndrome have come up with some really lovely tools that can help you spot it in your life and kind of challenge the logic, question the logic of what you're doing. Mm. So you understand what your type is. And this is the type, this is the narrow definition of success. So there there are five different competence types, they're called. There's the perfectionist, everything has to be perfect or it doesn't count. There's the soloist, if I don't do it all by myself, 
it doesn't count. I can't ask for help because that will be a sign that I'm an imposter. I should be able to do it myself. There's the natural genius. If I really were good at something, it would just come naturally and easily to me. Um, there is the expert. I have to know everything before I even get started. And then there's a the superman or superwoman. I, I have to be very, very good at lots and lots of things and I have to juggle everything. And if something drops, that's a sign that I'm not good enough. And, I, mm. and the driver in all of this is that people don't want to be exposed as the imposter. Mm. So they hold tight to these beliefs and they do everything they can to cover up mm. the fact that they don't actually believe it themselves. Mm. So if you, can, if you can start to spot, okay, what's playing out now? Am I being the perfectionist? Am I being the soloist? Am I being the natural genius? You can start to separate yourself a little bit back from those thoughts and see them as, as a set of conditions as opposed to an absolute truth. Mm. And then you allow yourself to go into a cycle of thinking where it's okay to feel uncomfortable. Maybe that's a normal part of the process when we stretch and grow. It's okay to make mistakes. That's about learning and developing. Instead of seeing these things and taking these things as evidence of being an imposter, you just take it as a normal part of the human cycle of, of, of doing something out of your comfort zone. Mm. And that's okay. And then you have to work really hard at letting those wins land. So when something good happens, you want to catch yourself when you're discrediting it. When you are coming up with all the reasons why it doesn't count or it's nothing to do with you and you want to really internalise it and that takes some mindful awareness. You want to sit with it and really let yourself, and this can feel really uncomfortable for people, let yourself feel how it feels to say, okay, maybe that wasn't perfect, but that's still an achievement I'm proud of. Mm. You want to allow yourself to say, yeah, no, I caused that, that was... Maybe it wasn't just me. Mm. Maybe that was me and you that did something together, but I had a role in that and I contributed to that. Mm. And we want to take away the kind of automatic, because often this is in your subconscious. You're just batting everything away. You, we, you want to sit and really let it land. And I call these the yes buts, and this is what you want to look out for. The minute someone pays you a compliment and you go, yeah, but anyone could have done that. Or someone... It tells you you're looking you're looking nice today and you go oh no yeah but I'm really tired or you dismiss it with yeah anyone could have done that mm. you want to catch the yes buts and challenge yourself to just stop doing it and mm. that can take time and practice mm. and it sounds simple but it's surprisingly difficult to do if you have a habit of a lifetime of always coming up with all the reasons why someone else's positive feedback isn't relevant for you to stop and just go thank you mm. Thank you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mm. take that in mm. and then I'm going to sit with it. It can be immensely uncomfortable mm. for people. So we start working on those things. We start understanding the psychology of the cycles that are playing out. But then we start implementing and doing it differently because we, we need that action and we need that experience, a tangible experience of what happens when we do it differently. Yeah. To start layering that up and to have that become the experience that we normalize and make really 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 familiar because mm. that's where change starts to happen mm. that's the sweet spot of going from a rational shift where you logically understand that probably what you were believing isn't true but you still feel it it feels real mm. and we respond really strongly as human beings to feelings we're wired to react to our feelings much more than our thoughts so we need to experience the feeling of doing it differently before we start to really believe it mm. Bit by bit, we chip away with it. Yeah, yeah. And I'm, what I'm hearing in there is a relationship with control because I can see that being quite a, a thread in all those different behavioural sets that you described there and, and letting go of a bit of control. Such an interesting way of putting it because, yes, it is. But the control that's coming is because deep down people feel completely out of control. Mm. So it's this idea of this response behavior that you develop to try and control your situation, to try and avoid other people seeing that really deep down you're not anywhere near as good as they thought you were. Yeah. And it, so it's a, it's, a, it's a crossover, isn't it, of letting mm. go of that control and of saying, I can just be out in the world trying, making mistakes, not being perfect, mm. asking for help, not knowing everything. And I'm valid and I count and I'm good at what I do. And actually nobody else requires me to be perfect or to be the expert in everything. Nobody else is asking that of me. Somewhere along the line, I've picked up the message 
that that's the only way it counts to be good and competent at what I'm doing. So we want to let go of that control. But we also want to then, it's simultaneous, isn't it, where we then shift into that place of saying, where I feel so panicky and out of control, Mm. that I'm on this kind of train track that's speeding along Mm. and I'm having to keep covering up and covering up and covering up. We want to relinquish that and go, actually, I don't, I don't need to be in control because mm. I'm not out of control mm. to begin with. I'm enough. I'm good enough. I'm, I'm more than good enough. Yeah. Yeah. Very powerful. I think as well, we're in a, an age where, especially in this digital age, we are always on show and it's easy to get into the whole realm of comparisonitis and we're constantly fed messages daily, hourly, minute by minute because of the the amount of media that we are consuming. And coupled with that, I think that there's a lot around negative messages feed more negative messages and we're a very critical society. So how do you combat and fight all of that and you know adopt this more positive empowered approach then? This is why it's so important to do the internal work, to do that reflection on yourself and to understand that the the benchmark against which you're measuring yourself, maybe that's the bit that's not accurate. Maybe it's not about whether or not you're enough or are allowed to be out there doing things. Maybe the benchmark of this ideal that we think we need to hit, maybe that's the bit we need to question. Mm. And I think this comes up a lot with with all of us who work online and this idea of visibility and getting more visible. It's exposing, it feels vulnerable. You're putting yourself out there. Um, and yeah, there is a risk of being judged. There, there can absolutely be that comparisonitis of you see other people doing things and you compare yourself, why aren't I like that? Why don't I get that amount of engagement or likes or followers or I should be doing it like they're doing mm. it? And when... When we can start by going internal and, and getting that real sense of, even if it's just a nugget that that, that just stays and doesn't shift, of, of a core of self-belief. And of even if I don't know how to do it yet, I know I'll figure out a way to get there. Mm. We get to create a foundation that's more stable and that allows us to feel confident even when we don't know what we're doing, even when we're new at something, even when we're learning. And we can shut out the noise a bit more. So take inspiration from the people around you doing the things I'm, I'm, I'm a great believer that com- comparing can be really helpful like we learn from the people around us we learn from the people we can look up to who are a bit further ahead uh, we learn ways of doing things and we learn maybe how we want to do things versus how we don't want to do things but we allow ourselves that space to grow into it mm. and I think to me it always comes back to that internalization of understanding when you are falling into a spiral of unhelpful thinking when you're, you are reacting to fears and the physical discomfort of that fear, and when you can then bring it back to a more rational place in your in your mind that allows the space for you to problem solve, mm. for you to think more clearly, to be more accurate about things, mm. to, to really question the belief system that you're operating from. Mm. Then we can make a choice about, do I want to carry on in that spiral of talking down to myself or of comparing in a negative way, or do I want to, to, to put a stop to it? Mm. to literally put the kibosh on it and go, I'm not going to do that anymore. I choose not to do that. Yeah. So it's okay if it pops up. We're human. It's going to pop up. But you you catch it. You catch the thought and you decide whether you're going to run with it or whether you're going to, that's not serving me well. I, I'm mm. going to let that one go. And I'm going to instead make a choice to take a thought that takes me one step closer to, yeah. to where I want to be. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of fear, what scares you? Good question. I don't think everyone, anyone's ever asked me that. They're too busy talking about their own fears. <laughs> <laughs> what scares me? The same things that scare everybody else, I think. Putting yourself out there, being visible, being judged, falling flat on my face, things not working. Um, going for something and realising that, okay, it's not going to play out the way I, I thought it would be. But the lovely thing is I've done all of those things and it's happened because it happens to all mm. of us, especially when we start a journey of creating a business, uh, if we think about it in an entrepreneurial sense. Um, I've done all those things. I've, I've created the masterclass that nobody showed up for. I've pivoted my business when certain things weren't working. I've tried certain things 
and decided to drop them because it wasn't right. Mm. And when you can understand that that's okay, or someone can judge you, and actually, so what? Does it, mm. does it really have to have that hold mm. on your life and that power? Then you get freedom from it. And then, then the fears dissipate. So you can have that level of fear that pops in going, oh, can I really do this? Who am I to show up and do this? And then you can, you can notice it. You can kind of give it a nod and say, all right, you're there, but you don't get to dictate what I do. You're, you're not, I'm not going to be dictated to and driven by mm. my emotions or my fears. Mm. I'm going to spot them and clock them and know how it makes me feel. And then I'm going to go and do it anyway. I'm going to try. Yeah. And from that, you either show yourself that it all goes fine and you do it, or you show yourself the different steps and the tweaks you need to do in order to get there. Yeah. But you have to have that core of a belief that I'm allowed to step up and do this. I'm allowed mm. to try. Yeah. And it's okay if people don't, not everyone likes what I'm doing. Not everybody has to like me. That's and it. I'm, and I'm okay with that. Mm. That's key, isn't it? It's really key. It's what holds so many people back. That fear of judgment, that fear of saying something that then um, gets a harsh response, that fear of not pleasing everybody or of not being everything to everybody. It's okay if, if not, you're not everyone's cup of tea. Mm. There yes. are plenty of people that they're not my cup of tea either. Yeah. And I, I, so it's getting fine with that. It's letting go of this idea that you have to always be liked. And I think for us women, that, that's it bred into us. Yeah. That we should please people. We should, everyone should like us. We should be kind and nice and, um, you know, ever so amenable to everybody. Mm. And when we can step out of that role, it's really empowering. Yeah. What are your thoughts about the phrase around being your own worst enemy. Oh, we self-sabotage like crazy, don't we, us humans? All of us do. Mm. Um, and often we are our, our own worst enemy because we allow these patterns of thoughts and reactions and behaviours that we've created over the years that maybe served us well at one point. Maybe they were quite a useful um, safety mechanism or, or defence strategy. But we allow them to play out. So we're still... A I'd, I'll make up a, a total number, which we pulled out of thin air, but I mean, a huge majority of us, 70, 80, 90% of us adults are walking around responding to the world from our eight-year-old self, from that childlike self that when we were sort of soaking up the messages about ourselves, about the world, about what people are, what, what, how we should relate to other people, mm. the risks, the threats, what's okay, what's not okay. These all get bedded down from a really early age. Mm. And so many of us go through life never questioning it. So we are, we are reacting in the same way that we would when we were far, far, far younger. Mm. And to a rational, if you think about that rationally, nobody would say that made any sense. We would all say, but I'm a, I'm a grown woman, I'm a grown man, of course I don't respond like that. But when you dig down into the behaviours, we are all reacting from that place of being a scared, frightened, wounded child. Mm -hmm. And that's where the therapy, I think, is so important to delve mm -hmm. into. It's we need to go in and fix that bit in order to get free of it and to choose a new cycle, a new pattern instead. Yeah. So do you think that there's a, a gap in the emotional intelligence? Absolutely. We don't get taught any of this stuff at school, do we? We don't. For, for so many adults that I work with, the concept that an emotion or a feeling is not something you need to respond to, it's revolutionary. It, 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 it's When they dig down into it and what that actually means and experience mm. getting themselves free of it, it's, it's, it's mind-blowing for so many people because they've never stopped to have that conversation or to mm. think about why do we react to things? Why does something push my buttons? Why do I always have the same row with my partner? Why do my kids drive me so crazy? Mm. We're so busy sort of pushing everything away onto the other. You made me angry or you made me scared or you pissed me off. Well, and nobody can make me angry. It's my own trigger. Yeah. So I think what's really interesting is we're in a time where our generations are so much more uh, aware. So and what you're describing is what we're bringing through that hangover from previous generations how do we stop that cycle that we're not transferring that into the next generation we do the work on ourselves first we we commit that time we invest in it as much as we would um, a personal trainer or a business coach we we we, we work on on our mindset we work on our own emotional regulation mm. and emotional management and, and not not that we should sort of control our emotions and have it locked down but that we are aware of them we understand them mm. 
We understand the choices we have in our behaviours. We see the cycles and patterns playing out and we role model that. Yeah. I love the fact that I have a, I have a nine-year-old and I see what they do in her school around growth mindset work, around managing emotions. And it's a far cry from when I was her age. Wow. So it's wonderful that there is more of this. Mm. But we are the most important role models to the people coming up behind us. Mm. And they will hear what we say, but more, more importantly, they'll, they'll see what we do. Mm. So if I want to teach my daughter to be calm and I'm yelling at her every night because she won't go to bed, what am I teaching her? So we need to do that work on ourselves first because that's far more powerful. Then we actually, we can just show a different way by how we show up and live our lives. Mm. That's very powerful. And I, I think a lot of parents listening to that, that might be a bit of a penny drop moment. Because we carry the stress of modern life with us. And, and do you think that there is something around that that crouches into a parenting style that how do you switch off those stresses and, and leave them at the door so that you're, you're entering a new environment or, you know, just being able to transition into those different roles? We live in a, in a, in a world in a, at a pace that's so overloaded and I wonder if this was such an issue before. I'd, I'd be interested to, to, to delve into that and read around it a bit more because I don't know the answer. But there is something about those transition points now, whether that's with your children and parenting or whether it's coming home and, and being in your home life with your partner. It, we, there, there does seem to be more of a need to put a pause and to stop and to sort of mm. switch hats. Mm. And I wonder if, if, if the trick is to to learn how to do that or whether it's actually to even just peel it back yeah. further and look at what's so stressful and overwhelming to begin with that you need to almost put the brakes on and go, okay, I'm going to leave that stress behind and go into... Mm. I, th I think that comes with issues and problems as well, doesn't it? That's a difficult way to live. Mm. What if we aimed instead for a life where there was we were able to move a bit more easily between the different demands of us or we weren't mm. feeling so overloaded and frazzled? Mm. that we were on a short fuse all the time. Yeah. What if it was cool that we... And working from home has been interesting as more people... Um, so you and I work from home already. The pandemic didn't change things so much. But watching people having to deal with that and having kids at home and having to... Yeah, that feeling of like literally very quickly often taking off the hats and switching them and how stressful mm. that was. Mm. I wonder instead if there could be this sense of... We've mm. got a bit of space, a bit of mental space in what we're doing. We're not feeling so pressured, so running to catch up all the time that if if somebody comes in to ask me something when I'm in the middle of work, I don't need to snap at them. Mm. I don't need to be kind of like, oh my God, this is, this is so stressful that there's all these different demands. Mm. Because maybe I can create a life where I don't feel yeah. so put upon, so kind of burnt out. I think that, that's, that's the problem is us feeling so burnt out. So my, my, yeah, my way of thinking about that would be to go and create a life that feels less stressful. And that doesn't mean that you're not busy or challenged. We'll always have stress in life, but we don't need to find it distressing. So we, we, we learn to be in a different space with our demands and our stress, and we, yeah. we learn how to manage it all better mm. and manage our emotions within that. Mm. I think that's a whole topic we could delve into. What is your definition of success? I think at the core of it, my definition of success is about being able to look back and go, how did I show up in my life? What was my sense of purpose? What was the impact I had on other people around me? But was, what was also my sense of contentment and happiness mm. and peace with what I, what I did with my life, the relationships I had? I think success to me, when we, if we boil down what people really want in their lives, they might think it's about a certain salary, a certain job title, a status. And those those things can, they, they can be important and they can certainly give us access mm -hmm. to lots of other things that might matter in life. But it's really about how connected we feel, um, how much we value what we're doing, mm -hmm. how much we feel we're stepping into that, that yeah, that sense of purpose, of mm -hmm. what was meaningful. Mm -hmm. Did we live a meaningful life? How are you going to create meaning in your life this year? Oh, I'm going to definitely step it up with what I want to create in my work so that there's that impact on more women. I can be broader reaching 
in in who I work with and how I help people to get out of the trap and the triggers mm. of the mindset blocks they fall into. Um, and for me, the focus is always about the people I spend my time with. So yes, I want to I want to work hard and create something that's a legacy I'm proud of, but I want to know that I didn't sacrifice the whole of my life mm. to that. So it's it's moments with my family, it's the experiences I want to have, it's the personal meaning of uh, challenges I want to to step up into and show myself what's possible. Yeah, that to me is going to feel like a, a really meaningful and mm. exciting. It's great. Yeah. Fantastic. That sounds amazing. What advice do you have for for anybody that's listening and making it through this winter of discontent <laughs> and, and just empowering yourself so that you're not only just going to survive this period of instability or whatever it is around us, but you're actually going to thrive and it's going to empower you and make you stronger. I think the starting point has to be to learn how to sit with how uncomfortable and how uncertain things might be. When, when we operate from a place of fear and panic, we're just going to create more of the same. Mm. And our brain doesn't respond well to that. We don't, we don't come up with solutions. We don't get creative when we're operating from a place of fear. Mm. Then, then we shut down. Lit- literally, we shut down. When we're in that fear cycle in our bodies, that rational bit of our brain it shuts down and we are just reacting. So the starting point, I think, for people who are genuinely worried and feeling pressured about things is to take a moment to pause, to, to take those deep breaths that sound so simplistic but actually have an incredible mm. instantaneous calming effect on our bodies. To let yourself sit with that and to know that, yeah, life is uncertain, but there's always the one next thing that we can do. We just need to figure out what that is. So to calm things down, slow things down, mm. and to look for what's the one next thing we want to do. And sometimes it might be about surviving. It might be about how do I figure out paying my next load of bills that are coming. But if we want to thrive, we want to create more of that space of possibilities, of potential, of being in that energy that allows us to step out and see opportunities mm. and then take them. And that's where that self-belief and that confidence is, is vital as well, because if we want to get out there and be bolder and create more and, and to not just survive but thrive, we mm. want to be able to seize those opportunities. Yeah. So we need to be open to them. Mm. Sometimes we're creating them ourselves actively. Other times we are just let, letting them come to us and we're saying, I'm going to say yes mm. to things mm. so that we can thrive. We can. So yes, it is a hard time, but I'm a real believer that this, this year is going to be a really good year. I think there are exciting things coming, but we need to be open to them. Mm. And we need to see what's possible. We need yeah. to feel like it is possible mm. for us. And we start from that point. Definitely. I agree with that. I think that's that's a great mindset um, and attitude to, to carry forth because otherwise nothing's going to change. So how do you use the mind as a tool to empower yourself? This is a really interesting point because the whole premise of CBT is that, yeah, your mind is a tool. And the whole idea of mindset work is that you can learn tools and build up a toolkit. And the bigger your toolkit, the better. So in in the membership I run, I have a self-guided element to it where there are modules that take you from a kind of starter beginner mindset to an advanced more maverick kind of mindset and it's all about building your toolkit it's about laying the foundations understanding what the what the processes are that are going Mm. on in your mind but then it's about learning your tools and then and this is the, the bit that often people don't do and that's their biggest downfall is then putting those tools into practice is implementing it because there's no point having a toolkit if you don't do anything with it. It's like, I don't know, having endless conversations or reading lots of um, books about personal fitness and never exercising. Nothing's mm. going to change mm. unless you do it. So having that idea of your mind as a tool is really, really helpful because then it gives you choices. You've got options then about, okay, what do I need to do right now? How am I feeling why am I responding to this in this way? Oh, why has my head gone to this place? Once you start to develop, and it all starts with conscious awareness, once you start to develop that conscious awareness, you get to have a moment of separation, and sometimes that's all you need is a flash of separation to go, wow, interesting. 
I was walking down the road, not thinking about anything, and suddenly an image of being, I don't know, really embarrassed mm-hmm. when I was a kid popped into my head. I wonder why that came up. Why often I find myself, I'm, I'd be reaching for my phone to scroll, and I think, what, what, why is my phone in my hand? What's, and I go, oh, what was my head doing? Oh, I thought it was something that made me cringe, and I'm trying to avoid the feeling of it by distracting myself. Mm-hmm. But this is all on autopilot. So we're not noticing it. But when we can understand our mind as, as a tool, we can understand that it's operating in sometimes in ways that are helpful and then other times in ways that are not helpful. Mm. And we want to create a moment of separation. We want to see ourselves not as our thoughts. We are not the sum of our thoughts. We are not the sum of our emotions. They are things that sometimes just happen, or they're happening to us. Sometimes they are uh, they fit the facts of the situation and they're in line with what's happening. And other times they are about something completely different or something completely random. Mm. And we want to know the difference. We want to be able to stop and ask myself, do I want to react to this? Do I want to respond to this? Do I want to change the response I, I typically do? Or do I want to actually just sit with it and it will pass? And that's one of the biggest, strongest things you can do with when you, when you are experiencing anxiety is to know that we don't always have to change our emotions. Sometimes we can just let them be Mm. and they'll just move on by. Mm. Uh, They're not constant. They're always shifting and changing. So when you can separate out and see yourself, um, you are not your thoughts. You are the thinker of your thoughts. Mm. You are are separate from them. Mm. And so even seeing yourself as something separate and the way you use your language, so talking about yourself, uh, as a, you know, Claire, come on, get up, get on with it. Why, why, that, that it, it's separating out. It's showing myself that I can be outside of this a little bit, not stuck in it, hmm. fe- just feeling it, just experiencing it. We want to stop reacting and start to choose how we respond to things hmm. as much as possible. We are obviously going to have reactions. They're just wired into us, but we get to spot them. You want to, you want to see yourself as a sort of series of cues and clues and information where you go, okay, when I start to feel like this, my stomach's feeling unsettled or I'm tensing up. Why am I tensing up? Oh, I'm feeling stressed. What am I feeling stressed about? Okay, do I have to see it like that? Or is there another way of looking at this? Mm. Um, and when you can sort of coach your way through it, so you, you're talking to yourself in, in the third person or using your name directly, it can be really powerful because it separates out mm. and it allows you to break the cycle. I like to think of our mindset work as, as being a disruptor. So instead of just letting the cycles play out, we have all these different points, whether that's the thoughts we're thinking, the way we're feeling, or the behaviours, hmm. the things we're doing. We have all these different points in the cycle where we can disrupt the cycle and choose to do something different. Hmm. Um, and there is so much about getting back into an alignment with what feels like a more hopeful, possible, helpful hmm. energy to be in. Hmm that then allows us to make a different choice. And then that sets off a whole different chain of events. Mm. And we have got some say in that. Like We have got some agency in whether we want to let the same old, same old keep playing out or whether we want to do it differently. There's an essence of that conscious awareness that you were talking about. And what struck me in all that, and goes back to what you were saying earlier as well, is... When you're consciously peeling away and peeling back, you're stepping away from autopilot and those automatic coping mechanisms. Um, And I, I love how you touched on the whole fight or flight because it is that excruciating moment and anything you can do to to extract yourself from that. It's powerful, isn't it? Mm. It's powerful. And you have to have that self-awareness to know that that's what you're doing. We are wired as, as, as human beings to react to feelings. And if you have a feeling that's a belief that's set with a feeling, like a belief that I shouldn't, I shouldn't want to, I shouldn't stretch and, and, and dream for things that are, you know, out of, above my station. If you, if you, if you have a belief that's set with a feeling like it's unsafe to put yourself out there and be visible, it's unsafe to speak up and use your voice. Uh, you might get judged by somebody, but someone might not like what you're saying. When those beliefs are set with feelings, they're really hard to shift because we are wired to react to that feeling. Mm. And that's often the point when I do work with people and I say, right, we're going to tolerate the feelings. 
Yeah. We're going to be self-aware. We're going to understand that when you feel anxious, it plays out in your body. Because our, our, our mind and our body are one are one system. Mm. There's a brain-mind-body connection. Mm. It's all playing out and things are pinging all over the place. And what we're aware of is how we feel. Yeah, We're often not even aware of the actual thought. They are automatic mm. so often. Um, so, But we, we tune into that feeling. And when mm. I say to people, all right, now I'm going to teach you how to sit mm. with that feeling and we're going to tolerate it. We're going to outlast it. Yeah. That's a bit when people look at me like I'm insane and go, I don't, I don't want to do that. I'm not <laughs> going to be doing that. And we go, no, we are, because this is, there's real power that comes in this. Mm. When you can learn to tolerate it, and then you, you learn how to move it quicker if it's really uncomfortable and it's not relevant mm. to the situation. So it's you're nervous about something that you don't need to feel nervous about. Yeah. When we learn the tools, and again, it's a back to the toolkit idea, then we have it at our disposal mm to put into practice the things that will move us on. And that's real self-awareness. That's conscious awareness. We're, we're understanding where we find ourselves. Sometimes we can trace it back and go, I had that thought or I'm linking this experience to something that happened in my past. Often, sometimes we, don't, we, we can't identify exactly what's triggered it. And that doesn't matter either because we go, this is where I am right now. I'm feeling this way or I'm believing this about a situation. And we're going to get curious about it. We're going to mm. challenge it. And that's, that's the premise of CBT is we, we take a situation, we look at the thoughts and beliefs that are, that are automatic, they're on autopilot. We understand the connection between that thought and how it makes me feel. We look at the patterns of what we do, how we're responding. And then we stop for a minute and we sit back and go, well, why? Mm. Why am I believing that? Is it true? How do I know it's true? there another way of looking at this? You know, why do I need to react to this feeling? Is that feeling even, even well-placed there? Does it, fit, does it fit the facts of this? Or is this feeling simply being triggered by a belief hmm. that's not, that's, that's not, has no place here? Yeah. And then how is that driving what I do? And that's a powerful bit because we are creatures of habit. We, we run on autopilot, like you say, and we establish ways of, okay, if I feel like this, then I do this, and that gets me away from it. But we have to stop and say, is this serving me well? Maybe it never served me, and I can just change it and, and bring that self-awareness to changing it. Or maybe it served me once, once upon a time back in the day mm. when I was a child, and this was the coping strategy, and it's the only thing I could figure out in my eight-year-old yeah. mind of how to protect myself or to get away from this feeling. Hmm. Uh, but is it serving us well now or is it holding us back and making us play small and stopping us from really being present and enjoying the things that or the potentials what we have got in our life the thing of the possibilities of what we could create yeah so yeah it all starts with us it starts with us being self-aware and understanding ourselves and being honest mm. and that can be uncomfortable that mm. can be painful to Definitely. do Definitely. yeah Mm, Claire, this is powerful. <laughs> powerful. I feel like I'm being counseled here. <laughs> it's the essence of it all. Yeah. If, you, if there's any change you want in your life, you start by looking at yourself. You might then decide there are changes you want to make that involve other people, but it has to start with the, that core understanding of what's playing out for me right now. What I talk about radical responsibility as well. Like, What ownership can I take of what's happening in my life and where it's going? And that's not to say that we're not affected by things around us and by the systems we operate within and the societies we're in. But at the end of the day, no one, no one is coming to save us. We are, if we can take that responsibility for what do I want to create in my life, but more importantly, maybe how do I want to feel? Mm. What do I want my experiences to be mm -hmm. in this world? That, that starts and stops with us. Mm. Because then either we open ourselves up to changing things to have more of those better experiences, or we allow ourselves to take a step back and go, Whatever might be playing out for you today, I, I can choose whether I get hooked into it or whether I don't. Yeah. And there's mm. freedom in that. Because mm. then we can make different choices. We can interact with people in a different way. And we improve our relationship not only with ourselves but with, with the other people in our lives mm. as well. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Mm, speechless. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we could definitely continue this into a two, three parter, I think. And we're only just scratching the surface here. So I, I hope that we're going to have the opportunity to do so. I'd love to. I could talk about this till the cows come home. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. And I, and I think it's very relevant and, and 
a message that so many of us can take away and take with us into this year. Is there anything we haven't spoken about that's burning on your chest? If you walk out that door, you'll be very upset you didn't raise it. <laughs> oh, so there's so many things we could talk about with this. It, it's the breadth of the human experience, isn't it? I think the main point I would love to come across loud and clear is that we have the capacity for change. So if there's something you are not happy with in your life right now, whether that is an external situation you're in mm. or whether that's an internal yeah. relationship with yourself and how you're feeling, that you've got the capacity to change it. Mm. Um, but you don't have to do it all by yourself. And often we can't do it all by ourselves. We, we need to, to learn the tools. We need to understand the processes. And we often need a, an, an external eye that understands these things to come in and help us with the blind spots. Mm. that we can't see so if there's something that you feel is holding you back or that you are just feeling dissatisfied then you're fed up of life being like this I would say make this a year that you actually step into doing something about it yeah reaching out for some help learning about it informing yourself making a choice about what you're going to test out and try and see what happens when you do it differently mm. even if that doing differently is just thinking about yourself differently mm. that's powerful yeah and from that we can create something so much more rewarding and exciting and hopeful mm. Mm. so speaking of that external support and and additional eye for somebody who wants to talk more with you who wants to learn more about the membership and work with you one-on-one -on -one, where can they find you they can find me uh, hanging out over on Instagram. They can find me on my website of claireflaxon.com. They are always welcome to reach out and DM me for a chat about stuff. I love talking to people about these things. And um, I aim to try and offer a kind of breadth of support for people because I know there isn't a, a one-size-fits-all and everyone, people are all at different stages of their, of their own personal development journeys. So mm -hmm. there's... Um, free tips you can get from my newsletter there's the membership like you say which is for for women interested in developing a mindset of real confidence and unstoppable possibilities and then there's some exciting new projects coming uh for programs this year that i want to develop as well as one-to-one -one work if people want to really go deep and get really um personal and um, specific into things i think that's when we do the one-to-one -one mm. work great Thank you so much, Claire. It was an absolute pleasure. Pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thank you. You've been listening to the Challenger CEO podcast with your host, Karen Pollard. Follow us on YouTube, LinkedIn, Instagram, TikTok at The Challenger CEO or subscribe at www.karenpollard.com forward slash podcast. <laughs>